Take your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. We are going to continue in our series, Who's Your One? If you want to have an awkward conversation, uh, bring up politics around a lunch uh, table with your coworkers. Bring up religion around a uh, work table and uh, around a lunch table. And sometimes you can uh, have quite an interesting uh, conversation. And uh, you start talking about that there's only one way to get to heaven. And immediately, uh, you can fire people up and get angry. People can get angry uh, really quick. This morning, we're going to look at uh, the message I'm entitling, entitling, A Story of Hell. And you say, Pastor, are you a hellfire and brimstone preacher? And uh, I would say I'm probably not a, I'm not a screamer. I'm not one of those type pastors. But I think that if we don't understand the significance of eternity... It's difficult to wrap our minds around the one that we're seeking to reach with the gospel if we don't understand and know that if they don't place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, hell will be their home for all of eternity. The Word of God is very clear about heaven. It's very clear about hell. And I believe that God's warning us because He doesn't want us to spend all of eternity in a place called hell And uh, we're living in a generation that doesn't like to hear this subject being taught. In fact, uh, it's probably not the the best sermon series if you're looking to get lots of visitors and guests into the church uh, this morning. If you advertised it on the sign, you know, probably in July and August, uh, some of these summer months when it gets up in the high 90s, uh, I've often been tempted to, you know, uh, change my sermon message uh, title to uh, uh, Welcome to Hell or something like that because it's it's so hot and... uh, but you folks, the reality is people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear that without a faith in Jesus Christ, we will go out into a Christless eternity. We'll spend all of eternity in a place called hell. The Bible records an account of a rich man and a poor man we're going to look at in our text this morning. And both of them die. Not only did they die, the Bible tells us that they had something in common, that God had created both of these men. And the poor man goes to heaven or is embraced by Abraham and his bosom, which is what was what happened during that time. The rich man dies and suffers in hell. And he looks across the great divide over to heaven and he asks for mercy, for water. That Lazarus would dip the, his finger in water and put a drop of water on his tongue just to cool his tongue. If you've ever been hot, maybe you've been uh, working out in the heat uh, for hours on end and you've been in the military, I guarantee you. There have been some times out there and you're, you're just give anything for a cold glass of water, something to soothe or, 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 or tame that thirst. But for someone to warn his family about this place of torment, this, poor, this rich man is, is crying out for mercy. Can I ask you a question? If Jesus is not going to allow those in hell to come back and warn people of hell, could we not do our part this morning in warning those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior about the place called hell? I think it's so important. Let's look at our text this morning. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a copy of God's Word. Luke chapter 16, we'll begin reading in verse 19. It says, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. 
Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you're in anguish. Besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able. None may come from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from here, uh, um, excuse me, goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Heavenly Father, would your Holy Spirit just arrest our attention this morning? God, I pray for those that may be listening online, that may be here in person, who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, the most important decision that we make in this life is not who we're following in love with, not who's going to be our girlfriend, not who's going to be our spouse one day. But Lord, the most important decision is who we're placing our faith and trust in for salvation. What are we depending on to get us to heaven? And Lord, I pray for those who do not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that this morning your Holy Spirit would convict them of their sin, show them their need of a Savior, and Lord, show the the grace and mercy of our Lord that was extended when Jesus Christ died on the cross, when he was buried and three days later rose again from the grave. Lord, I pray that you would do a mighty work in our hearts and lives this morning. Lord, uh, convict those who do not know you and draw them to yourself this morning. May they trust you before it's eternally too late. God, I pray for those of us who know Christ as our Savior. Lord, as we are praying for our one, Lord, the one that we are seeking to lead to faith in Christ. Lord, as we examine for the next few moments this passage that talks about heaven and hell and it talks about uh, the, the eternity uh, uh, where we will spend in one of these two places. God, I pray it would give us a greater passion and burden for the lost and being able to lead them to faith in Christ. And God, may it solidify our decision, Lord, to, uh, to pray for and to lead that one to faith in Christ. God, may you do a mighty work in our hearts and lives this morning. We'll be careful to praise you for what you're going to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said... Amen. The gospel is that Jesus became accursed for me. The curse of sin was placed on Jesus Christ. In fact, in Isaiah it says, He bore our sins on His body on the tree. His suffering, the the beatings, all of the, the nails He took were for me and for you. He took our suffering, our punishment. So He became accursed for us. He took the wrath of God 
if you remember the story that we talk about uh, when he's there in the Garden of Gethsemane, when I traveled there a little over a year ago, I remember the, the significance of being there with around all of those olive trees and thinking to myself, was it this very place where Jesus knelt and prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But he knew that his father's plan was that he came to redeem the sins of lost mankind. So we look at this, the Bible often speaks about the reality of hell. One of the most difficult questions that sometimes uh, I hear people say, and even good people say this, and I've even heard Christians say this, and, and they say, how can a good and loving God send someone to hell? I've mentioned before my granddad uh, received Christ as a Savior at 91 years old. And his very argument was the exact same thing as this. He says, I just don't believe that a loving God would send someone to hell. And so he didn't think there was anything that he had to do to prepare for meeting his maker, meeting his creator. And so he would go through life thinking, well, if my good things outweigh my bad things, that one day I'm going to be ushered into the presence of God for all of eternity. But folks, the reality is, is that's not the truth of God's word. You won't see that in scripture. How can a good and loving God send someone to hell? And folks, the, 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 answer to that is simple. God never sends anyone to hell. We go on our own volition. We go on our own accord because we either choose to receive and place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone and we repent and turn of our sins to the Savior or folks, we send ourselves to hell because we are born sinners and need of the Savior. In fact, John 3, verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. He came so that you and I don't have to go out into a Christless eternity. He came that we might be saved. Now, the, 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 the not-so-easy answer is, folks, I don't need God to condemn me to hell. My own sin has already done that. So, folks, Jesus Christ is not saying, you're condemned to hell. My sin is what's causing me to be condemned to hell. And because of Adam and his sin there in the Garden of Eden, that sin nature is passed down from generation to generation to generation. I love seeing uh, brand new babies born. And uh, this past year and even some this year, coming in this year, we've got a lot of uh, uh, COVID, uh, COVID babies being born. And how you want to say, uh, coronials or whatever it is, uh, lots of babies. Babies being born, and I love seeing uh, some of these families welcoming uh, new children into their family, and it, it's an exciting time. And some of them are are here today in church, and they're back there in the nursery. Thank God for those nursery workers. But folks, when you think about uh, God condemning someone to hell, that sin nature is passed down naturally. In fact, whenever uh, we, our twins were born. We didn't have to teach them how to do wrong. Uh, my wife would say, yeah, they got it straight from their dad. I mean, uh, we're, we're a sinful people, and we don't have to teach them how to disobey. In fact, you can have a, 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 an infant there that gets so angry, and they scream, and they, they get so angry. And folks, 
you get them about two and three years old, and they're talking about the terrible twos. Ours was more like the, you know, the crazy threes. I mean, when they turned three, I mean, it was like you opened some other can, and I don't know what happened, but we had two of them at the same time. And, and you're sitting there thinking, how are we going to make it through this stage of life? And now we have one in college, one in high school, and two of them elementary. And uh, it's, it's crazy on the best of days, but I wouldn't change anything uh, in the world. The reality is, is Jesus Christ came not to condemn me, but he came that we might have abundant life. Pew Research did a, 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 a poll of Americans uh, a few years back, and 58% of Americans believe in hell. It's down from 71% in 2001, folks. So we wonder why our culture has shifted so far in the things that we thought even just a few years ago you would never experience or see, and now it's become commonplace because we don't actually believe there is a place called hell, a place that we will spend all of eternity in. In fact, they ask Americans to define what hell is. It says, listen to the people, uh, listen to what they had to say. It says, where people... It's where people who have had bad, led bad lives and die without being sorry are eternally punished. You see, this morning, it's not just people that live bad lives. We'll talk about it later in the message, and I want us to dive into it. This morning, we look at our text, hell is eternal. In fact, the Word of God tells us it's forever. It's for all eternity, just like heaven is forever and ever, and as a child, uh, Martha, I remember hearing people teach in, in, in Sunday school and in, in Awana, and they would have these flannel graph figures, and they would show Jesus up sitting on the right hand of the Father in heaven, and, I, and they said, when you go to heaven, you're going to live there forever and ever. Kim, you remember this? And ever and ever, and I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, my head's going to explode. I can't, how long is forever? And they said, forever and ever and ever. And I remember asking my dad, as, as a, a good pastor's kid would say, but what if I don't want to live forever? And he says, but it's going to be perfect, and it's going to be the most incredible thing, and, and you're going to have a, a brand new body, and there's no pain and suffering and sickness, and all of those things won't be getting aged, and maybe I'll have hair in heaven. Who knows what that'll look like? Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I don't really care. But hell, on the flip side of that, is also eternal. It's forever. Freddie Gage said this, when you're preaching, remember, eternity is too long to be wrong. Think about it. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Sometimes people are saying, well, you know what? I'm just going to take my chances. I'm just going to wait. And I want, there's so many things I want to experience in life. And I, as a student pastor for many years, I, I heard kids say, well, pastor, you know what? I have the whole rest of my life to live for God. Right now, I've, I'm going to do it my way. I want to have my own fun. I want to sow my wild oats. I want to have those experiences. But folks, the reality is, is we are not guaranteed another moment. Not another moment. And folks, it's eternal. Hell is a long time to be wrong. First John 5 verse 13 says, I write these things to you to believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So folks, you and I can have confidence in our relationship with God and we can know that heaven is our home, that we have a right relationship with God. We see, secondly, hell is a place of great pain. Look at our text in verse 23. It says, And in Hades, being in torment, 
he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus as his, at his side. Hell is a place of pain. In fact, it tells us that it's a place of torment. In verse 25, go on further down. It says, Abraham said, child, remember that you were in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus is mad, light matter, bad things. But now he's comforted. And what's he say? And you are in what, church? Anguish. Torment. You're in pain. Hell is a place of pain. On Wednesday, I saw videos of a, uh, a horrific crash on Interstate 35 in, in Fort Worth, Texas. And one after another, cars were just slamming into each other. And semis were slamming into the back of cars. And over 133 vehicles because of an icy bridge, icy roads. It was a, a raised highway uh, there in, in, in Fort Worth, Texas. And I, I, was, I was watching it. Somebody's in the, on the opposite side of the road, and the, the traffic was stopped. And they had their window down, and you could hear it. And it was just, I mean, Kim, you've, watched, you've worked at wreck sites many times, but it was just the most helpless feeling as you're watching this video is, bam! Bam! Just right after one, right after another, and then uh, a semi uh, came and just plowed. Multiple cars started flying up in the air, upside down. It was the most horrific thing. Five or six people lost their lives, and I was watching, thinking about the pain the, uh, uh, of a semi plowing into the back of your car. But folks, that's nothing like the pain and the suffering of all eternity in a place called hell. Uh, and so as I watched that, the pain of hell is, is so much. On one occasion, in fact, Jesus talked about it. He said hell is a place where the worm dieth not. He talks about where there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Folks, it's a place of great pain, eternal pain for all of eternity. Hell is also a place of sadness. The rich man who had lived a life of, of opulence, had lived a life of, of, uh, of great wealth and abundance, is suddenly in a place that he cannot quench his thirst. He's in a place of, 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 of eternal sadness. And in Dante's Divine Comedy, it describes a fictional journey of the author going through hell and ultimately making his way to heaven. In the Inferno section, he describes the sign above the portal of hell. He says... Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Abandon hope, all ye that enter into hell. Folks, what is so sad about hell is that there's no hope for anyone who goes to a place called hell. Some religions and denominations, their conscience can't live with this. And so they do what they call a baptismal proxy and and I, I recently visited, a couple years ago, visited a Mormon temple, and, and they showed us, and they talked about this very thing while we're standing there. And I'm thinking, that is quite the baptismal pool. And I was thinking to myself, I mean, I've never seen anything quite like this. I mean, it was open to the public as they reopened the, the Mormon temple. And I, I go down there, and, and they begin to describe how that people who've died and, and gone to hell that you can go and get baptized for them and try to get them out of hell. And I thought to myself, where in Scripture do you find that, folks? It's not in Scripture. It just soothes people's conscience to make them feel better about the fact that their loved ones are, are all in a Christless eternity. Place there is no way to get to heaven 
if you're already in a place called hell. The problem with that is it's not scriptural. Dante had it right. It is divine comedy, folks, because there's nothing reality about that thing. If Once you go to a place called hell, you're not going to go to heaven. And, and folks, this morning, as I'm preaching the truth of God's word, hell is a sad place. It's also a place of isolation. Here the rich man is, is crying out for help. All of his friends are, are not with him. Sometimes people think that, that hell is going to be a giant tailgate party. They feel like, well, you know what? All of my friends are going there, and I'm going to get to hell, and I'm just going to have a, the time of my life. No, it's a place of isolation. It, it's a place of outer darkness. It's a place of, uh, of pain and, and suffering and uh, uh, burning, and, it, and it's, it's a sense of constant pain and, and suffering. Here's the rich man crying out for Father Abraham to have mercy on him. To send Lazarus, who is at Abraham's side, to come and dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. But he says, he can't come over here, folks. We're eternally separated. Folks, it's not just that. We're forever separated from God. You see, what happens is, I believe that the only thing holding back the wrath of God on this nation, on this world, is God's people, the Christians who are, are seeking to live for God and are trying to be a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hid. But folks, the moment that the church of Jesus Christ is raptured and taken out, this place is going to be, for, it's going to be forever changed, folks. And the wrath of God will be poured out upon the, this earth. Folks, what happens is hell is a place of isolation. In, in fact, in verse 26, it speaks of the great chasm that's fixed between them. They cannot go back and forth between heaven and hell. So it's a place of isolation. But folks, there's also some good things that are in hell. And you say, Pastor, uh, what are you talking about? There's, there's good people in hell. In fact, the, the rich man, if you study about him, was a, was a moral person and, and was a caring person. And Folks, even in this crazy world that you and I live in, there are a lot of good people out there that help the community. They give to the poor. They help the needy. They help the homeless. They help the elderly. They do all of these things. Every year at, on October 31st, kids go around and they're uh, trick-or-treating and they go from house to house. And I'll be honest, uh, growing up as a kid, I mean, uh, we didn't... We didn't know a lot of our neighbors. Our, our, our neighborhood didn't have street lights, and so we didn't do a whole lot of church treating. We went to a couple people in the church, and, uh, and usually we were at some kind of church function on Halloween night. But nowadays, we live in a neighborhood that has over 500 kids, and so it's like a destination. It's like, I mean, you guys live in a big neighborhood, and, and it's like a, a street party. Everybody's outside, and they're, they're going from house to house. And when we first moved in our neighborhood about six years ago, I remember like that first year, Martha, I mean, the kids found out because all their friends would tell them that that house gives whole full-size candy bars. <laughs> and I mean, it was not long before it's like that house and that one over there and go over and take a right and it's the second house on the left. And, and before long, I mean, now they've all got cell phones and they're texting each other and, and the teenagers are all going trick-or-treating. You know, I, I'm, all for, I'm good for that too, but at least they're not in trouble. But they're all texting each other, telling them whether, you know what the reality is? There's lots of good people out there. There are people who are giving back to their communities. But folks, the reality is, is good people still go to hell if they don't have a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. In fact, verse 23, he says, In Hades being a torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his side. Here's a good person who has done good deeds, but yet he's in a place called hell. The rich man in our story was a good person, but he rejected the gospel of Jesus. Good vision is also in hell. He could see over to the other. He could see the, the, the uh, poor man, Lazarus, in, in Abraham's side. And being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. The rich man was well aware of what was going on in a place called hell. He had great vision. Here he could see what he was missing. And folks, good vision is not necessarily a good thing in a place called hell because folks, the reality is I think your life is flashing before your eyes and all of the opportunities that you had to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior are flashing before your eyes as you're realizing, man, I rejected it over and over and over. And some of you may be sitting here this morning and say, Pastor David, I've sat through so many services on hell, preaching on hell, but the reality is, is you can hear it over and over and at some point have a hard heart towards the things of God and never receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. So there's good vision in hell. There's also good prayers in hell. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, verse 24 says, to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in this flame. Here is he praying out, crying out in a place called hell. There's also good memory. He says, Abraham says, child, remember in your lifetime, you received good things, Lazarus in like manner, bad things. Now he's comforted and you're in anguish. You're in pain. Verse 25 says, there was no way to forget the, fa- the past. He was reminded of his former life. Good theology is also in hell. Paul tells us, Philippians 2.11, he says, one day every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And folks, I'm reminded whenever I see wickedness happening around our world today, one day, every one of those politicians in Washington will bow the knee and say that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, all of the the dictators around this world and in Afghanistan and Iraq and places, uh, Hitler and people like that, one day they will confess that Jesus Christ, but folks, it'll be too late if they don't know Christ as their Savior before they go to hell. Good theology is in hell. Good priorities are also in hell. Verse 27, he says, I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Good priorities. If I could just warn such and such, if I could just warn this person that they're going to spend all of eternity in this horrible place. Say, Pastor, what's the application? Help was not prepared for me and you. In fact, Jesus Christ placed man, and he, play, he created us in his image. He placed us in a perfect environment in the Garden of Eden, folks, and God created us to glorify him. Hell was not prepared for us. Jesus has prepared a place for those who know him. He came so that you and I do not have to go to a place called hell. In John 14, it says in verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. 
believe in God, believe also in me. What's he said? He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, said that you may be with me also and you know and and you know the way to where I'm going Thomas said to him Lord we did not know where you're going how can we know the way and I love this last verse Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me you see the story of hell ought to cause each one of us to be committed to make sure, making sure our loved ones, our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends, our, our family, hears the gospel, our one, hears the gospel and has the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So, Pastor, why do we do missions work in Nicaragua? Why do we go to Matagalpa? Because we want the people of Matagalpa to understand that Jesus loves them and he died on the cross for their sins. Why do we go to India? Why do we go to Kenya? Why do we go to Romania? Why do we go to Brazil? Because we want them to understand that Jesus Christ died for their soul as well. He died that they may have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the story of hell ought to cause each one of us to be committed to making a difference in the life of our one so they can understand and receive Jesus Christ. Can I say this morning, Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to a relationship with God. He alone can save us. He's the, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Folks, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would invite you right now, right where you're seated this morning, you can pray and you can cry out to God to forgive you of your sin. You might be watching online, maybe you're in your car and you're listening to it. Maybe you're sitting there at your home watching it with your family. Maybe you're here in this building this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I say this is the most important decision of your life. Because this morning, you can place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. For those of us that know Christ as our Savior, this week, I want you to pray for opportunities to show the love of Jesus Christ with your one. I want you to pray for opportunities. Show them acts of kindness. Let them see a, a humble spirit or a servant's heart. Allow them to see the light of Jesus shining through your life. You see what happens is as we begin to be the light that Jesus has called us to be, folks, the world sees not us, they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. They look around and they see this dark world and they're saying, there's something different about that person. I want that... The, the joy that they have on their countenance. I want the, the confidence that they have. I want the peace that passes all understanding. When they've gone through trials, I've watched them, and they have a, a confidence in who they are. Folks, this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I beg of you, don't leave here today without getting that settled once and for all. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this morning, God, you would speak to hearts. Lord, I am not 
I'm not foolish enough to think that there's probably many people sitting in this building this morning in this crowd today who do not have a personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray that this morning, before they leave this service, Lord, before they leave the building, God, that they would allow someone to show them with confidence how they can begin that personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those that are tuning in online this morning. Lord, right where they are seated this morning, they too can place their faith and trust on you for salvation. Every head is bowed this morning. Every eye is closed. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor David, I don't know 100% sure if the Lord were to return today to take those who know him home to heaven, I am not confident that I am no 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Can I say, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're watching here in person this morning. Can I say, the Word of God says you can know that for sure. These things that are written that you may know that you have eternal life if you believe in the name of the Son of God. Folks, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, He died on the cross for our sin. In just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity right where you're at to pray and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Don't put this off. In fact, you say, Pastor, I've never heard a sermon like this. And folks, it's been a long time since I've preached a sermon like this. But folks, I think the reality is, is we've got to be confronted with the reality of hell if we ever want to experience the presence of God in heaven for all of eternity. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor David, I don't know that for sure. Let me let you know that Jesus loves you more than anything in the world. He loves you so much. The Word of God says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. He died so that you can have life eternal. Life in heaven with God in the presence of God. And folks, it's the greatest gift you could possibly receive this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor David, I don't have that confidence. Let me invite you right now where you're seated. Would you pray along with me and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation and accept him. There's no judging. In fact, you are amongst an entire room full of people, the people that have already had to come to the same uh, realization. And, and they have too have cried out to God and, and they've placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And folks, they're praying right now for you, whether you're watching online or here in, live in person. Let me invite you right now, if that's the desire of your heart, would you pray with me right now? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that my sin has separated me from you. Lord, the best way I know, I repent of my sin. and I turn from that and I turn to Jesus. And what he did on the cross of Calvary, I place my faith and trust in you for salvation. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, to forgive me for my sin. And to take me to heaven one day when I die. Help me to live for you. Give me the strength to get into your word and to grow and to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor David, just a moment ago, 
when you prayed, I too prayed right here in my seat. Can I say the word of God tells us that angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents and turns in faith to Jesus Christ? Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor David, this morning as you prayed, I also prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you're tuning in online, give us that hand emoji and say, hey, I prayed this morning. You can raise your hand that way. Maybe you're here in the building and say, Pastor David, just a moment ago as you prayed, I prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'd love to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. Would you look up and just let me see your eyes this morning? Say, Pastor, as you prayed just a moment ago, I prayed. Thank you. Somebody else said, Pastor David, as you prayed, I prayed and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior this morning. Someone else said, Pastor David, just let your eyes open up. Let, let me see them. Thank you. Somebody else. Pastor David, I prayed and accepted Christ. Thank you. Somebody else this morning. God is working, church. Don't underestimate what he wants to do in your life. Pastor David, as you prayed just a few moments ago, I also prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Anyone else? Just lift your head up very quickly. Let your eyes see mine. Thank you. Somebody else. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for at least three or four that acknowledge this morning that they placed their faith and trust in you. That's here in this room. Not even including those that may be watching online or those that will watch later this week. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, help them to leave here today with that confidence. And thank you, Lord, for your finished work on Calvary. God, I pray for those who don't have that matter settled, God, that they would get that settled. And before they leave today, they would talk with someone who can show them with confidence from the Word of God how they can begin that relationship with you. God, may you stir our hearts as believers, as disciples of Jesus. Lord, as hell is a, a sure reality for those who do not know Christ as Savior. God, may it give us a passion and desire to minister and build intentional relationships with our one this year. Lord, so that they too can experience the joy of salvation and a home that waits for them in heaven. God, may you do a mighty work in our hearts and lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed.